You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, hosted on the Line of Sight Podcast Network. Line of Sight is proud to host War Machine University, Brawl Machine, and Fallen Corvus, as well as numerous content creators like Field of Fire, Lightbringers, Brawler Bios, Vicarious Competition, Midnight Monpod, and Charge and Spike. You can find our content at loswarmachine.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 203 of Line of Sight. My name's Chandler. I'm here with Brett. Are we doing deep voices this episode? It's deep voice time. Jaden, what you got? All right, I guess I can do this too. Yeah, yeah that was better. <laughs> Turns out I'm actually a bass, and I can talk like this all day. That's fair. Uh, all right, well, well done. That's it. That's the only. That's all the cast. <laughs> that's all we got for you this week. Let's. let's talk to you <laughs> yeah, we're out. No. Uh, let's talk news. Is there any? Um, Riot Quest stuff. No, wait. One of the Kickstarters is successfully got to the Canadian distribution hub, but there was some damage to some of the boxes, so they have to manually open them all and inspect them. So that's going to take a little bit longer than they thought it would. Yeah, I think I did see some pictures that some people had some like RPG books, though. I are you sure you saw some people with actual books? Or are you did it, or did you see Loth's pirate or uh, downloaded PDF self printed in South America book? I'm not sure. I just vaguely remember <laughs> seeing a picture that looked like somebody had a pile of books. But uh, oh, okay, pile of books that might that might not be. Long. Yeah, there's more than one, I think. But I don't know. I could be wrong. But stuff is at least getting close. It should be, one way or another. So it'll be kind of exciting. Uh, yeah, there's not really a whole lot else going on. We've got we already went over the brawl machine update in the last episode, but that's all you know posted we, and everything we've hmm. done since then. Though is the potential is pretty much it's locked in, but the Patreon restructuring. We should talk about that. Mm. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? I think you'll you have a you had a better. Yeah. On it than I, yeah. Yeah. You got the deets. I, I got the deets. I kind of designed it. So I got the deets. Um, so we're going to change the way our Patreon works again. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that was, so, part of, that was part of the process of this month of not charging was we knew yeah. there was going to be a lot of little things going on. So, yeah, that's true. And while this wasn't part of the original plan, it's actually probably really important that we do it. Um, so essentially what's going to happen is the Patreon currently charges patrons every episode for uh, an amount. Uh, like Sur- surprise, if you're a patron and didn't know that. We found out <laughs> that some people didn't know how it works. Yeah, a bunch of people didn't understand that it was like every episode was charged or like they didn't. They thought it was like a monthly, like larger sum. And then it was like, no, it's not. Um, so we're going to change that to a monthly fee. And this does a couple of things. First of all, uh, there are a number of months every year where we publish five podcasts in a month, which makes patrons pay an extra 25% on top of what they were already planning on paying, which can really mess with people's budgets and is not particularly great. So that'll be eliminated. The second thing is we're going to really, really diversify the levels of what the patrons are like the, the amount they back at. And also we're going to change the, like the, the rewards pretty substantially. So uh, we're adding a new tier level. It's just $1 a month. It's, uh, you know, $1 a month. And it gets you access to the patrons-only Discord channel in our Discord. 
and you'll get a fancy new name. Gosh dang it, I have to go design one, two, more three, colors. Four. I have to make four <laughs> more patron colors. <laughs> yep. Oh gosh. Okay. Um. So that's that's the tier one. Then there's a five dollar tier, which is basically the current trooper tier. Uh, the current uh, reward for that level is that you get access to the Discord channel, which you're going to get at the one dollar level. So to bump that up. Uh, not only to get access to the Discord channel, but you're also going to get all of the podcasts released one week before a general release. So starting in February, we're going to start um, releasing. Well, February, the first podcast release, we'll have two podcasts for the patrons, one of which will be coming out the week after for everybody else. Um, so nothing's really going to change. It's just we'll probably be like a week late on news, if which, to be honest, we kind of usually are anyway. <laughs> um at the $15 tier, this is currently the Warjack tier. It's like a dollar or two more. Uh, you get to vote on a monthly Patreon topic for both podcasts. Um, we've really enjoyed that, and we're going to keep doing that. Uh, the $30 tier, which is currently the Warcaster tier, which is actually a little bit cheaper overall because it was $8 times 4, which is $32. Um, you get to like suggest topics for that um, vote, and you also get to have your vote count as two. Uh, so I need to figure out how to make that work, but I'll make it work. And then we're adding three new tier levels, and these are weird for us. They feel very strange, so hopefully people like them. Um, they're all limited, which means that a certain number of people get to be in them, and no more than that. And up until this point, um, every tier higher gets you everything below it. So the, the $30 tier gets you, you get to suggest, you get two votes, um, you get to access the podcast early, you get access to the Discord channel. Um, these higher tiers give you all of those things as well, but they do not give you the limited things below them. So that'll make more sense in a sec. There's a new $50 tier limited to five people. Um, you're going to get an extra special Discord channel and also some posts uh, that will be exclusive to you in the in the Patreon itself. And basically what's going to happen is every month we're going to release like an exclusive 30, 45 minute uh, Q&A for you where you get to ask us questions that you want answered specifically and we'll spend a little bit more time on them than like the 20-30 seconds we spend when we do listener questions um, and your vote also counts as three so that's at the $50 tier $50 a month you get to get a special cast for you every month there's also a $100 tier which boy does that feel absurd to say but there, there it is. Uh, limited to three people. Once per month, you either get to play a streamed tabletop game of choice online. So, like, if it's War Machine War Table, if it's, like, Marvel Crisis Protocol, that would be on Tabletop Simulator, um, you know, etc. cetera, uh, with any of the hosts. Or you get to have a 60-minute live stream of one of the hosts giving hobby advice on a paint scheme or modeling question. I love that you said one of the hosts. <laughs> for hey, look, man. Part. look, man. Maybe the one who is basically capable of being a professional painter or us <laughs> chuckle idiots. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to show up to these, too. I don't have to pay for it. I'm going to get the painting advice. Yeah, no, you better believe that if I'm doing a 60-minute live stream of painting, you're going to be on there, like, laughing at me making mistakes. So, yeah. Um, and this is, like, the, the caveat here is we will try our best to accommodate your schedule if you want to play a game with one of us, but, like, no 100% guarantees because life is hectic. Um, and then the live streams are going to be scheduled whenever that host has an hour to do it. So if you can't tune in yourself, you'll have the VOD. But, you know, basically, you know, we're we're busy and we will, we've got we, we will stuff. do our best. We are generally yeah. pretty flexible, but like that's also within the confines of adulthood. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
But that's not all. There's an even higher tier. Oh, and just like reiterate, the $100 tier where you get to have like the, the streamed game or the streamed hobby content, you do not get to add to the Q&A episode. They're separate things. Um, if you want them both, send me a message and I'll try to figure out how to make that happen. You, you have to but make a custom tier for them. I would have to make a custom <laughs> tier. It's true. Um, and then there's the $150 tier, which is limited to two people. Um, once per month, we're going to stream a one-shot RPG session with at least two of us. And we will set that date in the first five days. And it will basically be, this is when it's happening. Be there or we'll fill your spot. Um, but you'll get to play an RPG of whatever the DM or GM's choice is. Um, gonna Chandler, you're shot, like, right? it's going to be a one shot. Yeah. And yeah. Chandler and I have some plans for these one shots that maybe we'll talk about at some future date when we're ready for them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so you get to come play with us. We'll talk to you about character creation. If it's D and D, we'll probably be using D and D beyond cause I have access to all of that nonsense now. Um, if it's something else, it'll be something else. And, uh, yeah, you'll get to, we'll get to make characters and we'll, we'll play a one shot and it'll probably alternate between Chandler and myself being the, the person taking point on that. So that's, um, that's them. I do want to say one thing about the overall change is so the the reason we wanted to change from a per episode to a per month is that the the line of sight Patreon is no longer just for the line of sight war machine podcast. It's for mm. everything we do. It's for brawl machine. It's for running the discord. It's for this podcast It's for the gaming podcast. It's for whatever crazy plans we have in the works. Mm-hmm. Like anything the three of us produce together, this Patreon is supporting. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, we have tentative ideas about like merching up later this year, and patrons will probably get either discounts or free or who knows we'll some it out. benefit there. Um, yeah, we got a we got a lot of that. plans in the works for it. We're talking about it like all the time about what kind of stuff we can start adding on here. So yeah, and I'm I'm in the process of reaching out to a number of of organizations to see about getting affiliate lo- links that only our patrons can use and stuff okay. like that. Um, and yeah, you'll get access to both of the podcasts a week early, which will be cool. Yeah. Yep. And just as kind of like a for the for people who were kind of around early on who remember us talking about it when we originally set up the Patreon, part of the reason we did it as a per podcast thing was that we genuinely had no idea how consistent we were going to be. Right. It was a brand new thing. And that kind of mm-hmm. felt like the most fair way to like take take the pressure off ourselves a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. We don't have to like be panicking like we've screwed everyone over because we missed an episode or whatever and yeah there were times we missed like a handful of episodes even in a single month you know back in the day Mm -hmm. uh but as time's gone on and we've kind of gotten to take this more and more seriously in a lot of respects like we're pretty consistent we feel pretty good about our ability to like make good on what we say Um, yeah how many episodes we did 51 episodes last year we did we did 51 numbered and one not numbered okay last year yeah, last year we made a real like commitment to trying to really meet up like every week, and we yep. really only missed a couple. It was, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, but um, anyway, so and out of fifty-two weeks, so that's that's the kind of thing you're looking at. And if yeah. we think something's going to change, where we're not going to be able to hit numbers like that, we're going to change Patreon again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Basically, that's, that's the plan. So we uh, we announced this to our patrons earlier this week if you didn't see that announcement in the discord or on the patreon and you're and you're a patron and you're listening to this before february 1st please let us know what you think we want your feedback um 
but yeah, that's that's going to yeah. be going live, and we'll be starting to post announcements about it pretty soon. Yep. Uh, and if you want to check that out, patreon.com slash Machine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what we're actually talking about today, because we're, <laughs> we're the, the clock be ticking. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about terrain today. Uh, this is a topic mm-hmm. we have talked about before, but it's always uh, it's good to to catch back up on it a little bit. And there's there's some things that we've definitely kind of like picked up on after over the past while that I think would be some interesting new new thoughts and ideas for it. Yeah, and specifically, I think the slant we're taking this time is um, less from the player side and more from the how to you set up a table that actually mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, we've talked about it from the player side a lot. There's two articles on the website. We've done at least two podcasts on it. We've never really talked about making good tables. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think we should start by talking about how much it influences the game. Yeah. So what what I was actually about to say was something that might be good to kind of break down is basically like what is the purpose of terrain, right? Yeah. Like that's even better. Game. Yep. Yeah. So like, what what exactly is terrain for? Mm-hmm. Uh. One thing that's kind of an obvious one is um, in War Machine, one of the largest benefits uh, that is given to you when you go second, which is generally a bad thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you need to have some kind of like a, a bonus to help you out. And one of the biggest parts of that bonus is your ability to pick the table side that you are on. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that this as a bonus is extremely swingy because it depends a lot on the table and how that terrain is laid out. Well, and terrain has to be laid out in an extremely well-designed and intentional way to make it an advantage. Yes. If you just randomly put terrain out, like literally with a randomizer, um, often it will not be an advantage. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Yes. Um, yeah, so that it, it definitely does that as well. The other thing that it does, and this has not got anything to do with gameplay at all, is it makes the game much more attractive than playing on a flat table with yeah. nothing on it at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is one more gameplay thing it does, and that is you want it it forces players to make more decisions. So yep. it force, forces players like either to so okay. So one of the definitions of what a game is is a series of problems to overcome. Terrain mm-hmm. introduces another problem to overcome, like another thing to wrap your head around to make you know make it different, to make it interesting, and for you to figure out. Yeah, that, um, the, the way I was going to put it was that its its purpose is to be disruptive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you have to split your army around something, <laughs> or if you have to like kind of shift to the left, or it's like if an ops, objective or a flag is hard to get to or well defended, like all of those things change how the game goes. And, and good, sorry, and and. The disadvantage of games like chess that don't have terrain is that every game is exactly the same, which is an advantage yeah. in some way, but is a disadvantage in others in that there's a huge learning curve um, to get to the point where you're actually making decisions. And terrain mitigates that a lot by forcing you to react to these things, making making games different. It's also important to note that these choices start before the game does, because if you know that you're going to be playing with good amounts of terrain, that should absolutely change the way that your lists are built. Yes. Yeah. Um, long range guns is like, so I think one of the, one of the strongest examples of this that comes from another game comes from infinity. Um, poorly, poorly built infinity tables. Like it's not even a game. Like, yeah, it it's, there's you, infinity like building out infinity tables is like an art in and of itself. Yeah. It is it is its own skill set and a TO that is good at it 
is is very different from a TO that is is not good at it. Um, War Machine's a lot less extreme for that because of the emphasis on melee, because of the short ranges of guns, and because the scenario is tends to be central and pretty fast. That's not yeah. to say that it's not really, really important, though, because I think after Infinity, I can't think of another tabletop game where the terrain is more impactful as far as, like, if it's well set up or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, one thing that I know that I think all three of us really are pretty pretty strong willed about is uh having plenty of terrain on a table Mm -hmm. well plenty of terrain and plenty of relevant terrain there's nothing that makes me more more upset than seeing a forest two inches away from the board edge like plus it's against steamroller rules but sure uh, but it wasn't always we've been playing for a long time (laughs) yeah no yeah in the old days when there was no reason to be on a table edge yeah yeah uh to like ever be out there yeah for sure um the other thing is that like it's a, yeah, we, we've made a push for a very long time about having like more more terrain and more impactful terrain on tables. I found uh, locally that the game got a lot more fun the more kind of messed up we started making tables <laughs> with terrain. Yeah. Um, well, and actually, uh, your your area specifically, and I was going to throw this out there um, that that meta in early mid mark two. So before you, you moved in there. We were playing with six or seven pieces of terrain on boards back when the norm was like two. Yeah. Yeah. And and now, I mean, it's like eight to nine a lot of the time uh, ish. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of really interesting little terrain things. I know that we've we've been really excited about the cluster forests mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, where it's actually Open using. <laughs> yeah. Open graves are a very similar thing where you're using v- much smaller versions of terrain in clusters to be one terrain piece things like that there's a lot of little things you can do to kind of break up like break up different parts of the table and and mess with sort of how that terrain is usually interacted with um oh well the interesting thing about cluster is how it uh, how it is an advantage for certain base sizes over others yeah Yeah. where it's like infantry can kind of ignore it or use for or use it to block line of sight whereas large bases are like only slowed down by it it's it's just different Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. Uh, so one thing that I, I've definitely kind of run into uh, when, when setting up tables so that there is a, a, a certain amount of balance to it. But when you're setting up a table, uh, be it just for like your, your kind of regular game or for uh, for like an actual event um, in kind of that interest of, of uh, for, for one thing, when I when I'm done, I kind of like to look at it and go, well, that looks kind of annoying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. um yeah because that to metric. me tells me that it's disruptive now the thing is is that this has to be done in a certain degree of moderation you can't put together a table that just makes a bunch of stuff entirely unplayable right like that that mm-hmm. kind of thing can happen it's especially like building placement like obstruction mm-hmm. placement can really screw it you can't be like haha i've done it no one can play huge bases now like it's <laughs> you want to let people play with their toys you don't want to unless you're playing brawl like, machine in which case go nuts <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's well, that's one of the fun things with Brawl Machine. Um, you don't you want to allow people to play with their toys, right? You kind of have to look at it and go. Now, that's not to say that you can't go. I have created an area that a huge base cannot pass through, mm-hmm. like two buildings that are close enough that they can't. But you have to be careful about where you put those, right? And, well, and right. It, it's okay to have that on one side. It's not okay to have that across the entire table, like, right? Or even yes. even in the middle, like at a critical juncture, maybe like. Actually, this is one of the things that Will Rutan really likes to do. He likes to set up a situation in which if you try to 
if you put your huge base on the side of the table, it's going to stay there because it's almost impossible to charge it through the gap that there is between the two obstructions. But it's totally possible to move it through there, but it's really hard. Yeah, Yeah. and it would take like two turns. So if you're 30 point model doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in, in that way, like that, that is a case of these things being disruptive. It doesn't allow people to do kind of the things that they want to do. And you want to, in the, the careful balance is having a little bit of that on either side, but making one side more beneficial than the other. Yeah. Uh, Are you talking about a horizontal side or vertical side? Like the ones we choose or the scenario ones? The ones we choose. Okay. Yeah. Cause so there's, there's two aspects to it. Yeah. There's the, you want it to be asymmetrical so that one, you want one vertical side to be advantaged. Like mm-hmm. that has to be like that's that's how the core balance of the game works. Um, yes. But you, but I also think it's interesting to make the horizontal sides um, mm-hmm. asymmetrical because then it's like okay, because because when you're sitting down and you're flying, you're like okay, I can see that this is a graveyard for huge bases, so I need my armor cracking to be on the other side of that because I know that's where the the huge bases are going to be. Right. And it also lets uh, like and if you deploy like that and your opponent does put your huge base over there, it's like, well, cool. I guess I'm winning this game because they're playing 30 points down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really extreme example. But smaller stuff like, you know, having like um, a couple of like water features on one side. It's like, okay, guns are really strong there unless they have Pathfinder and stealth or something. Mm -hmm. And a more extreme advantage or extreme version of that even is quicksand. Um, Yeah. Quicksand's a nightmare. <laughs> quicksand is a nightmare. Yeah, uh, absolutely. When you see quicksand, you should be putting guns behind it or across from it because yeah. you're never crossing it. <laughs> yes. So uh, what do you think about um, just sort of like generally describing what a good table looks like kind of in a general sense and then going through maybe the terrain types and talking about the best places to put them in relation to the scenario elements? So things i like to see in a table is i like to see several relevant pieces of line of sight blocking terrain Mm -hmm. um i like to see um one side has a really good place to put a warcaster Mm -hmm. um i like to have one side have a really good place to put like a solo holding a flag or like a really well protected objective and it's worth noting that these don't necessarily have to be the same side, but having two beneficial pieces on one side and one beneficial piece on the other side is a really good way to make that incentive to go second better. Yes. Yeah. Like if, if you have a survival warcaster, you don't care about the that, that nice spot. Yeah. But if and you have four pieces, maybe you do. <laughs> yeah. And a, a lot of terrain kind of has two sides to it, but there are certain terrain elements that are like almost purely positive as uh, mm-hmm. part of the reason everybody like trenches are a nightmare. They're really good for you, and generally speaking, they don't really have a downside, right? Like, forests are nice because they block line of sight, but do you have the Pathfinder to get through it? Mm -hmm. Uh, They block your line of sight. Like, they have a number of problems, whereas something like a trench is just, like, pure benefit, right? Unless there's, unless it's giving line of sight to something, but that's, like... Or unless it's on fire. (laughs) Or unless it's a flaming trench. We've done that. (laughs) We have done that. It's a great, like, it's well, a great terrain piece. It's if I jump, if actually. I jump into this pit that is literally on fire, I will be harder to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, I was talking about this earlier, but one other thing I like is when different parts of the table give advantages to different types of models, not just melee versus guns, but also large bases versus uh, small bases, also things with lots of boxes versus things without, things that are immune to fire versus things that aren't. 
-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually really important and pretty new to Steamroller and to War Machine in general is places that screw flyers over. Models with flight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to be on like a lot of tables because that rule is probably the most powerful baseline rule in the game. Especially when you start getting wild with terrain and putting fire on lots of things. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So there should absolutely be some like windswept things mm-hmm. in many places on tables. Like not maybe more than like one or two per table, but definitely it should be on your tables. It's it's a big well, yeah, deal. It should be on many more than half of your tables at an event. Yes. Yeah. Like 60, 70 percent kind of deal. Because you want people that bring flyers to be able to use their rules. But you also want to make them have to deal with the fact that their flyer has a somewhat less unlimited amount of movement than it normally would. Some place where your opponent can defend themselves from it. Yeah, that's good. Um, so uh, with that, so just to quickly, you know, synopsis before we go on to the next part of this, good tables have a clearly better side, but both sides should have something interesting going on. Um, good tables have multiple pieces of line of sight blocking terrain of different types. Because if it's all forests, then Forest Walker just rules the world. If it's all clouds, then True Sight and Isla Sight get to you know run rampant. If it's all obstructions, then nobody has any fun. Um, uh, ghostly in flight. Yeah, but they can't see through it. I know. Um, so you but know, it, but those, it gives them a huge advantage if there's a lot of obstacles. It does. Yeah. Um, and then you know it's it's okay to put burning acid and windswept on really interesting pieces of terrain for them. Um, it makes decisions have to be made. Yeah, and just uh, unfortunately, you have to understand how wind blast works because it's still in the game. Oh yeah, let's talk about that real fast. What does wind blast do, Brett? <laughs> so wind blast and Linus's thing, I don't remember, or no Edria's thing, I don't remember what it's called. Um, it removes clouds from the table. So mm-hmm. if these are the clouds that your opponent like puts down as a spell, that's that makes perfect sense. Um, this also works on the permanent clouds that your TO sets up, which is irritating, but you know, they're just clouds. You can walk through them anyways. It also works on anything that's windswept or on fire, I believe. Um, because that adds the cloud element to them. <laughs> I don't believe Windswept adds the cloud element, but okay. definitely the fire one. Def- yeah, the fire, fire does. does. Which means that a, an obstruction that's on fire can or disappear. Or a forest. Or a well, forest. So, yeah, so the, the obstruction that's on fire is a perfect example because um, obstructions already block line of sight. Nothing ignores obstructions for line of sight that doesn't ignore clouds. Um, and you can't land on it, so you can't be set on fire. And flyers already ignore it. So... It actually, it doesn't actually do anything to the to the obstruction to put it on fire, except to be a good joke. Unless they have wind blast, in which case you can actually remove the obstruction from the table because it's yep. all one piece of uh, terrain and it it's it is a cloud in addition to other yep. things. Pop quiz: It's on wind blast casters. It's on Linus and Andrea. Where else is that effect found? There's one other place that I can think of. It's, it's the the, uh, the gun, the effect, little right? light jack in Crucible Guard, right? That is correct. Yeah, it's on the yeah. retaliator. It's yeah. Vlad two and Grail, right? Vlad two and Grail, baby. Which <laughs> are sure. actually seeing play now. So, yeah. Hashtag I was playing Grail before it was cool. Um, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, for no, it was great, man. <laughs> it was I, very good into Tharn. <laughs> yeah, I and not just Tharn, also into 
bones. I, I beat two Kruger two players at ATC oh, with that list. Um, all right, so running down the list of things real briefly, uh, let's talk about like line of sight blocking terrain in general because there's a bunch of different kinds of it. Where does it go for the best impact? So, you, do you mean each one individually? No, just like in general, line of sight oh. blocking terrain. Where does it? Where where would you put it? And they all have like their own nuances, but I don't think we're going quite that in depth. So, um, slightly off center is the one I always like. Um, mm -hmm. Dead center tends to be problematic because lots of scenarios are dead center but when it's slightly mm -hmm. off center um it kind of makes one side of the table harder to fight around and also encourages kind of spinning around that forest which is really interesting the other thing that i like to recommend for line of sight blocking terrain is that if you can block line of sight to a big chunk of the table to an objective that's a really interesting um defensive option for somebody who, who is taking second objective or flag yep yep yeah either of those things is really good i, I think flags even more relevant uh, it depends, yeah. right? Guess, like, if you've got survivable solos, like, just not being able to lose that objective for a few turns is really, really strong. Uh -huh. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. Um, it's also uh, really... <laughs> uh, it's It can also be really important to think about the way that the little safe bubbles on the sort of, like... Because most, most things have, like, either a curve or a corner. Um, if you set those up in such a way that a person can contest a zone or a flag in that thing and be perfectly safe, that is also a very, very strong um, piece of terrain for that player. Yeah, you'll see this most often with like L-shaped buildings. Yeah, or the the squiggly looking forest that uh, Broken Egg makes. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, just be aware when you're doing that. We It's not like we recommend against it, but probably don't do it more than once per table. Yeah, and if you, that that would be, in my opinion, a very strong thing for that side. Um, especially if it's like a good place for a warcaster to hang out that's kind of central so that their feet can affect a lot of the board. Oh, geez. Yeah, like like a Harbinger's Paradise. Yeah, or like <laughs> any of the, the Denny's or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, obstructions. Sorry, obstacles. Linear obstacles. Um, these can be really interesting because they don't block line of sight, but they do give cover. But the other thing that they do is they restrict model placement pretty severely. Yeah, so I, I was about to say, the thing I actually think about with walls, or linear obstacles, I guess, more than necessarily the fact that they give cover is the fact that you cannot stand on them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they allow you to, they actually give you a remarkable amount of control over, like, how certain models can move through areas. Yeah, yes. and, and if, if you're playing against, like, a one-inch melee, only melee model, they hate walls, even if they have Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like little things like uh, putting like so it's just a random thing. If you put a wall like right, like overlapping halfway over the like bottom edge of mm -hmm. a zone, mm -hmm. it means that models can't tow into it anymore. They have to either be way into the zone yep, or, or completely wall. out of the zone. And I, yeah, it it changes the dynamic of how you can contest that zone quite a bit. Yeah. In general, I like walls that are on the edges of zones. Um, they're yeah. small enough that they don't affect too much of the table, so you can like have them and another terrain piece in a zone. Um, but they are extremely relevant. You can you put them on the border to make it hard to use. You can put it slightly like so. There's a point to toe in just for mm -hmm. like one model to be safely in the zone. Um, mm -hmm. Very highly recommend putting a wall. The, the other thing that I, I do sometimes to really mess with players is I put a flat a wall that is like encompassing a large portion of four inches from a flag. 
Um, oh, that's annoying as shit. I've never thought of that. Oh yeah, Brett, it's the best. You're just like <laughs> okay, so like you're on the contesting side, it protects you from outside, but yep. it also means you can't. You have to run further to do it. Yeah. So like, imagine spread the net, and there's a wall that's like 3.5 inches past the flag, mm-hmm. right? And it encompasses a big chunk of that contesting space. Uh, and you can put a thing behind that wall, but that's your side of the flag, so you're safe, and you're like still contesting your flag. But if your opponent wants to come contest your flag, they really gotta come contest your flag. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, and this is an easy way. Like I like that's actually one way in which walls are a really easy way to kind of shift and make it so that one side is more interesting than the other just because of the way that you can mess with placement like by putting that wall on the very edge that can make it very difficult to like contest your own zone but if you push it just a little bit further forward so that there's a little bit of a sliver of the objective behind it suddenly it's really good for that side of the table because you can contest Mm -hmm. it while standing just behind a wall right and that's a really easy way to kind of set up a spot where somebody is like uh while i'm going second that's a really interesting advantage that I can I can abuse on some level. So and yeah. also walls are really cost effective, right? They're they're small, they're cheap, they're easy to transport. Like I'd recommend in your train set having two or three, right? Yeah, I have a couple. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other other final thing that I, I will say about walls is that be careful about where you place them close to objectives because you can actually on accident make it impossible for a lot of models to charge that objective. If it's like 1.5-ish inches away from the objective, it's very easy to make enemy large bases just flat out not able to do it, even if they have Pathfinder. Uh-huh. Unless you're doing it on purpose. Unless you're doing it <laughs> on that's purpose. That's the goal. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a goal. And actually, it's a really funny thing, too, because a lot of people won't realize that that's a thing that they can do with the board. And so it is definitely an advantage, but it's also one that you have to kind of understand the game pretty well to get all of the advantage out of Um, so I guess then there's like various kinds of rough terrain that are, so tall grass, uh, rubble, regular old rough terrain. Um, where do you guys like to put those? Uh, I like to put them dead center in scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) So these are, because they don't block line of sight, um, you need to be a high traffic area for them to be relevant. Um, Mm -hmm. so if it's like in the middle of a circle zone, um, that basically requires Pathfinder if you want to go if you want to go from one side to the other. Sure. Yeah. I'll I put like patches. Put them... oh, go ahead. Okay. I'll I'll put patches like literally like right outside deployment sometimes. I was, yeah. I was just <laughs> yeah. Say that. Uh, and that's and there's this kind of twofold. One of them is that it does dictate placement quite a bit. The other one is it kind of makes you just get to immediately feel good about putting Pathfinder in your list. Mm-hmm. You go like, hey, this really helped. And and you get to use it. But sometimes yeah. it's a, like, that's a really good one for the kind of like the counter deploying process, even when you're going first, where you're like, I can kind of figure out where certain models will be because there's certain areas they just can't really move through. I don't want to do that all the time because it can get really annoying. But occasionally it's nice to just be like, LOL, yeah. enjoy this right in your face <laughs> yeah i also like to put them like uh defensively in front of flags and objectives sometimes because it makes it so that uh, opponents have to come at them from the sides if they're going to do it in melee um which again it's all about that sort of choice tree that you have to make you have to deploy with that in mind because you're going to be coming at it from an angle if you don't have the pathfinder for it um and some of them like cover uh, the rubble and the tall grass can actually be defensive for the models 
you know, on oh, the yeah. flag. I'll often put it uh, rebel touching a flag. Yeah, it's like a trench, but with a s actual downside. Yeah, I, I do. I really like putting rubble like partially overlapping a flag, but from like a weird angle where you're like, well, I get cover if I stand like in front in of front, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. like, where, yeah. And, and that's kind of what choice. it's all about. Like with a lot of these is, is just making it so every terrain has choices, right? Yeah, you want you want the occasional bit of terrain that's just like, wow, you got that trench like. That's just a really good spot for that piece of terrain for you. Yeah. But you only want that a couple times and you want to have a lot that are like, there's a couple ways you can use this. Some are good, some are bad. So yeah. you, basically you want two types of terrain, the type of terrain where you go, I know exactly why the terrain place or the terrain builder put it there. And you want a lot uh, even more that are like, why a, why, a, a kind creator you do, do it? that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I do take there's a certain degree of joy I have received from when people are like, wow, I cannot believe you put the terrain like this. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. to do it once. That's the thing, especially when you're doing a big event where there's a lot of tables. It's OK to have a couple of tables that are kind of bullshit. <laughs> well, that that's the cool thing about WTC terrain is yeah. that they have. Oh, yeah, like, because because there's so much table choice, right? Like you can. Yeah, yeah. They, they had like five templates for the tables. And two of them were just utter nonsense, like <laughs> a table that only had walls. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but because like the teams have like a choice process for the tables, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you want to uh, see some extreme examples, try and find pictures of WCC tables. Yeah. Can I can I give some really nonsense ways to use trenches? Sure. All right. So nonsense number. Bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, so nonsense way number one, uh, if you have a big, long set of trenches connected to each other, they are all the same trench, which means that if you are touching trench, uh, bottom of the table and you are shooting at something at trench top of the table, they do not get cover from you because you are in the <laughs> trench template. Um, this is a really interesting thing to do because it can lead to some really, really weird gunfights. Um, yeah, it's super strange. Uh, trench nonsense number two, put the trench over where some of the scenarios have objectives. The reason for this is because then the objective will no longer block line of sight to whatever is behind it. <laughs> and it makes it really hard to hide things behind. Well, actually, it makes it impossible to hide things behind it. Um, they could be so in the trench. Right? The, tr the, the objectives? Yeah, it'd have I don't to know be if you're also... I mean, if it was a big enough trench. Oh, yeah. If like if you're, you know, if it's vertical and you're behind. Yeah, yeah. sure. That would work. But. I'm thinking like on invasion where there's that trench at the end of the zone or that objective at the end of the zone or on uh, recon two where it's in the same spot. Uh, if you have like a horizontal trench, just sort of like touching <laughs> that objective, then you can see right through it as the other person. And that can that can do some really, really weird things to the game. Um, it's also worth noting that if your opponent screens their Warcaster or their Warlock with a bunch of infantry and those infantry are in a trench, they have not actually screened their Warcaster or Warlock at all. So, not a placement thing, but trenches are dumb, and remembering all their Trench. rules makes them dumber. Trenches are very... Trench, trenches are pretty complex, and there's a lot of there's a lot of trenches these days, because there's a lot of versions of trench. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. yep. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's just a little bit about just kind of a, our thought process for putting together tables. If you um, want to see the results of these, <laughs> go to War Table. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. We have we have done some. Uh, there's some mad science on there. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Well, it's but, actually fun to design tables on War Table because you can just click through all six scenarios and mm -hmm. just go, oh, I should. No, oh, shoot, you don't do that. Adjust. You d you you ask me for my single scenario thing that has every single scenario in it laid out at once. That's much smarter. Yep. <laughs> I've got that. If you want it, send me a message. I think it's only updated for SR19, but there's like one new scenario, so it'll be fine. It's our bizarre eye-bleeding dev tools. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here's this horrible monstrosity. Build terrain around it. Yeah. Good times. Yep. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's going to basically close that one out. So I want to give a big thanks. I, obviously, we had a big conversation already about the Patreon people, but a huge thanks to all of you support who support us on there. You're all absolutely amazing. Can't do words right now. Uh, if you want to check that out, patreon.com slash LOS War Machine. We've got a post on there that talks about the restructuring that we're doing. Yeah, so if you want to be, be able to. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Um, if you want to read that uh, just to kind of get a better sense of like the direction that we're going here. Um. Yeah, and yeah, any feedback, happy to hear it. Yeah. Let us know. But yeah, I, I do also actually have an announcement that I totally forgot to make at the beginning that I I should do now. Um, mm -hmm. Captain Con is uh February four through six in Rhode Island. There's lots of War Machine events planned, including Brawl Machine scrambles, and the uh, URL is captaincon.com/wp/slash. So, you know, check that out. Should be cool. Nice. Very nice. Uh, if you want to go check out our website, it's LOSWarMachine.com. You can see all the stuff that we've got going on on there. And if you go to our show notes, you'll be able to find a link to our Discord where we have all of our kind of wonderful looking for group stuff for, or looking for game. I was too group. <laughs> Looking for game for uh, for uh, War Table, uh, Brawl Machine. We do Brawl Machine leagues, things like that. There's also like Steamroller leagues, all kinds of stuff going on there all the time, as well as our mentor channels, which are really awesome. And there's a lot of conversation about all kinds of different games on there now. It's kind of uh, shifted into a very sort of generalist discord for just like a ton of different stuff. So a lot of conversation going on in there. Anytime I post on like any game, I'm getting responses on it pretty quickly. People are like... People are talking about everything on there these days. So mm. uh, go check that out. If you want to shoot us an email of any kind, it is LOSWarmahords at gmail.com. Or you can head to our Facebook, which is line of sight. You can message any of us or message that actual page and we will get that and uh, try to respond to that. I think that's that's about it. That's all the relevant things. Yep. Did the thing 203 times. <laughs> well done. Yep. more technically yeah uh yeah thanks for hanging out with us for a little while everybody uh i think the plan is that we're gonna what was it we were gonna talk about my brain just went blank we had two Stay topics next. what was the other one? Oh, uh we were going to talk about different size formats for war machine and how yeah advantages and disadvantages of different size formats yeah yeah uh, but yeah things like we're gonna try and tackle what is the skirmish game that'll end well for everyone Oh no. oh no! I already no. had this conversation like, this <laughs> week. No. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.